0: Welcome back to our study in the book of Joshua. Welcome to a tremendous study this morning, and are are you ready to to hightail it through the Word of God? Are you ready to get going? Can I get an amen now? Are you ready to read and study and dig through seven chapters of Joshua in one message? Say amen. amen. Oh, I wasn't sure about that one. So who's volunteering to read the first six chapters? Okay, I didn't really get an amen on that one. The study as we've gone, on, we've taken quite a bit of time to work our way through the book of Joshua. We've been doing so uh, almost exclusively in a verse-by-verse expository format. And we've taken, uh, well, a number of months to do so as we've explored God who has already rescued the Israelites out of Egypt, and we've looked at the incredible provision as He brings them across the Jordan River at flood stage, helps them to conquer Jericho, the mighty walled city, and helps them to conquer kings, kingdoms, areas, and regions. And so our Scripture study up to this point, we've completed all of the first 12 chapters. Last week, we looked at a little portion of chapter 13 for Joshua and a little bit of chapter 14 from Caleb as we saw that there was much more in store Caleb saying, Give me this mountain. We looked at how do we reach the mountain? How do we we reach what God has for us? Well, our study this morning, we're going to be overviewing chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. That's our seven chapters. And as we get into this, we're going to be looking at portions and some passages and some verses from a number of those chapters, but we don't have necessarily the time to read them all, unless you wouldn't mind sticking around until about 2 o'clock. Are you ordering <laughs> Um I, I didn't quite catch that, so no. So I figured it might be easier to kind of give the overview here of these seven chapters, what we're looking at this morning are principles from the division of the land. Because that is what these chapters all signify and all deal with. Because God has been bringing the Israelites into what's been called the promised land. And as God brought them in, God gave them some specific instructions about conquering the land, conquering the territory... And so these first 12 chapters, uh, God's done some incredible miracles, and then we've seen how they, well, in a couple of sessions, they came against five kings here and five kings here, and they were conquering the lands that God had for them. So chapters 13 all the way through 19, now they are dividing up the land that God has given And so, what are some of the principles that we can learn from dividing up land? Now, if you start thumbing through and flipping through these chapters, you're going to be reading saying, what in the world are we going to dig into with this, Pastor Mark? Because the majority of seven chapters are going to read something like this. The northern boundary extends from the something-something mountain down through the east range all the way to the southern portion of the, the west boundary. You're going to read about northern and southern and eastern and western boundaries of this land and territory that God is giving to each of these tribes. It's going to seem like Geography 101. So seven chapters of geography, what in the world are we going to find in that, Pastor Mark? Glad you've asked. No, we're not going to spend the time reading all seven. That will be your homework this afternoon or sometime this week before we jump into our next portion and our next part next Sunday. But we are going to dig in. We are able to see a number of principles from the division of the land. We've seen God working with them up until this point. And now as God has brought them in and helped them to conquer various areas, God's saying, divide this up and this will be the land that you will live and work. So the first principle in dividing the land, principle for them is also a principle for us. Number one, we must receive what God has for you. Do you believe that God has good things in store for you? As a child of God, as a son, as a daughter, as someone who has a relationship with God, yes, God has good things in store for you. The Israelites were God's chosen people. This was uh, the individuals that God had this relationship with. And as we'll see, looking throughout some of the scriptures in these passages, they were simply to receive What God was ready to give. How many of you love to receive? Come on, we should see every hand on that, right? If you don't have your hand up, I mean, you love to receive something. A a birthday present, a Christmas present, a, a free piece of candy. I don't know. We like to receive things, right? When somebody says, hey, just a minute, don't go anywhere. I've got something for you. Is your first tendency... To just turn and run away, like no, a gift for me to receive. Well, depending on who it is, you might not be so sure. You know, it might be one of those cans of peanuts that you open up and the, the big snake, you know, jumps out everywhere. Is one of those uh, exploding cans or something like that. But but typically, when someone says, "I've got something for you," I want you to receive it. Hold on a moment. You hold on a moment. Because you are ready to receive what somebody is ready to give. True? Well, when it comes to the Israelites, God had something incredible. God had this promised land, God was bringing them in, and they were simply to receive what God had for them. So, chapter 13 is where we'll begin a couple of verses of Scripture that we read from uh, Joshua's passage last week, chapter uh, chapter 13, verses 6 and 7. He says, As for all the inhabitants of the mountain regions from Lebanon to Misrifoth Maim, that is all the Sidonians, I myself will drive them out before the Israelites. It's the Lord speaking to Joshua. Be sure to allocate this land to Israel for an inheritance. Now, other versions might talk about this as giving as a special possession. So this land uh, was to be uh, allocated or allotted as a special possession, given as an inheritance. He says, Do so as I have instructed you. Divide it as an inheritance among the nine tribes and half of the tribe of Manasseh. So allocating as an inheritance, giving as a special possession... This is something that God had for the Israelites, and now it was time for them to simply receive what it was that God had. And he mentions the nine and a half tribes. Now, when it comes to receiving what God has for us, certainly for the Israelites as well as for us, understand everyone receives something. Now, he's specifically mentioning the nine and a half tribes, nine tribes and half the tribe of Manasseh. This is the land west of the Jordan River after they've crossed in. The land west of the Jordan River would be divided for the nine full tribes and half of the tribe of Manasseh. If you remember, and again, it's, it's been a number of weeks and a number of months that we've been going through this study in Joshua, the other two and a half tribes... The tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and the other half-tribe of Manasseh, they wanted their land, they wanted their property before they even crossed the Jordan. And so they were given land east of the Jordan River. I said east, but kind of like in Bible school with the song, so let me turn around. East. And the nine and a half tribes were given land west of the Jordan River. All right? So every single tribe was going to receive some land, except for one. The tribe of the Levites would not receive land, and you're thinking, well, you said everybody received something. See, nine and a half tribes were receiving land west of the Jordan, two and a half tribes east of the Jordan. Here's a few scriptures interspersed in our uh, scripture text that describe what the levites would receive Joshua chapter 13 verse 14 but to the tribe of levi he gave no inheritance since the food offerings presented to the lord the god of israel are their inheritance as he promised so the levites They would be the priests, the spiritual leaders, and when they come with the offerings, they would receive portions of these food offerings. That would be a part of their inheritance, a part of what they would receive. Not physical land area property like these other tribes, but they would receive that. Next chapter, chapter 14, verse 4. The Levites received no share of the land, but only towns to live in with pasture lands for flocks and herds. So they did not receive this massive area of land, but they did have some lands as far as towns to live in, pasture lands for their flocks, and the food offerings, portions of those that were given to the Lord. Chapter 18, verse 7, the Levites, however, do not get a portion among you because the priestly service of the Lord is their inheritance. Now, if you remember going through the entire Old Testament, whenever we see priests, a priest was from the tribe of Levi. And so these priests and, and this, uh, this tribe here, they did not have the portions. And when, when you get to all of the geography lessons, the north and south and east and west, you won't see Levi there. But they will receive the opportunity of serving the Lord as the priest towns to live in, pasture lands, and portions of the food offerings. Everyone received something from the Lord. The majority of them were receiving this property here. When it comes to you and I, as His sons and daughters, how many of you know God has got lots of things, good things in store? We're able to receive salvation We're able to receive healing and provision and guidance and direction. There is a lot in the Word of God that He promises to supply. Much that's already been made available, let us receive what He's given. Now understand this land, the inheritance that's being given or allotted, it's received, not earned. Did the Israelites do anything in and of themselves to make them worthy of getting all this land. No. They weren't the largest. They weren't the strongest, the smartest, the mightiest. They weren't even the most faithful. They weren't the most faithful. Remember that they messed up a number of times. They sent spies out into the land. Remember, 12 spies, one from every tribe. Two, Joshua and Caleb said, Yes, we can do it. The other ten said, No, they're too big and too strong. Because of that lack of faith, because of that disobedience, they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, one year for every day it took them to spy out the land. At the conclusion of the 40 years, God's ready to now bring them in. It's a whole new generation that's here, except for Joshua and Caleb. And they bring them across the Jordan River and and everybody, boy, everything goes as planned. The, The priests step by faith into the water. The waters part. They cross the Jordan River. Awesome. Then comes Jericho, right? Going and circling around the city. Well, they did everything like that, entirely as God said, except when it comes to gathering the spoils. They were not to gather anything from Jericho. But one man got a little greedy, got a little sticky fingers, right? Remember, a man by the name of Achan had stolen a handful of things. And because of that, there was failure, defeat at the very next opportunity, which was Ai. And then further on, remember, we saw that when they encountered the Gibeonites, they did not inquire of the Lord, they just did their own thing. They looked at the clothes, they looked at the food, they thought, oh, we know how to handle this situation. So there's a handful of times that they've messed up, they've fallen either as a whole or on the individual side. So the Israelites were not the most incredible people that God said, because of who you are, I'm going to give you this land. Isn't that just like you and me, are we anybody special? Are we so incredible that because of how awesome we are, God says, you have just earned salvation. You have just earned healing. You have earned provision. You have earned a place for eternity in heaven. No, In fact, the Bible says, we've all sinned and fallen short. The wages of our sin is death. He it says, it's the gift of God. We're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift. It's kind of like the inheritance, the blessing that the Israelites were given. It's received by them. but It's not earned. They didn't do anything to earn this. You and I don't earn what God gives us. Out of His grace, out of His love, out of His mercy... He blesses, and we're able to receive what He has. But it's not because I'm incredible. It's not because you are incredible. It's because God is incredible. So they were to receive what God has, and the encouragement in this text is, don't wait to receive what God has for you. If you drop down to chapter 18 in our session this morning, Joshua chapter 18, verses 1 through 3, it says, The whole assembly of the Israelites gathered at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The country was brought under their control, but there were still seven Israelite tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. So again, two and a half had already gotten them east of the Jordan, Two and a half had already received it west, but now there's seven full tribes who had not yet received. Verse 3, So Joshua said to the Israelites, How long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given? God's given. God's brought it to you. How long are you going to wait to receive this? God has incredible things in store for you and I. He desires that we would be a part of His family. If you're here this morning and you are not a Christian, if you have not received this incredible gift of salvation, how long will you wait? In the New Testament, we read that today is the day of salvation. Don't wait, but receive what He's given. Receive what He has provided for you. And as a Christian... I believe God has more in store for you and I. Let us receive what we know that God has provided. Salvation is provided. There's healing, provision, there's guidance. We can go to the Lord and we can seek and receive from Him. So first principle, let's receive what God has. Second principle, submit to God's will. Another one of those things that we see kind of keeps getting repeated here throughout the book of Joshua, submitting and trusting and knowing that God is in control. Here's what we read in Joshua chapter 14, verses 2, reading about the inheritances, reading about all of this land and all of this property. It says, their inheritances were assigned by lot to the nine and a half tribes as the Lord had Commanded through Moses. Now, we're not real crazy about that term assigned by lot, right? Because when we talk about the casting of lots, we can look and oftentimes uh, it would be by the Urim and Thummim, these. Kind of biblical terms. Many scholars would uh, believe that they would be either two smooth stones, or perhaps some other scholars might believe they might be two sticks. Majority would probably lean towards the stones contained in the breastpiece and the ephod of the priest. And these stones perhaps were used to help determine and receive wisdom and guidance when it comes to going to war, when it comes to uh, important decisions for the nation. Some might believe that they, uh, almost more of like a yes and a no, others might believe it might be maybe two various colors, but you would cast lots, you would pray, and you would seek the Lord, and they would believe that God would lead them, perhaps through the, the urim and the thum, and these these two objects, to give wisdom and direction. So what we hear, what we see here when it comes to the inheritances, it's assigned by Lot as God commanded through Moses. And what we're going to see as you drop down to chapter 18, it's repeated multiple times over. Chapter 18, verses 6, 8, and 10. Here we go. After you have written descriptions of the seven parts of the land. So this is after the two and a half had gotten it on the east, two and a half had gotten it on the west, and they're continuing to divide up for the remaining seven, after you've written up descriptions of the seven parts of the land, bring them here to me and I will cast lots for you in the presence of the Lord our God. Verse eight, the men started on their way to map out the land. Joshua instructed them, go make a survey of the land and write a description of it. Then return to me and I will cast lots for you here at Shiloh in the presence of the Lord. Verse 10, Joshua then cast lots for them in Shiloh in the presence of the Lord, and there he distributed the land to the Israelites according to their tribal divisions. You see, this was not the reality show competition. This was not singing for your choice of land. This was not, you know, March Madness basketball tournament. This was not the playoffs leading to the super bowl where you know each tribe gets their basketball team together and then they compete and the winners get to pick which land they want this wasn't about which tribe had the largest which tribe had the most people this wasn't about which ones were strongest or smartest this was cast by lots but this wasn't Joshua saying hey anybody got a paradise yeah, let's just kind of, all right, all right, snake eyes, snake eyes, all right, woohoo! No, lots were cast, but it was done in the presence of the Lord as Joshua the leader and the leaders of these tribes were submitting to and yielding to God's will. This was not, our tribe's going to beat up your tribe and take this land because we want it. They mapped it out. They cast lots as God gave guidance and direction. And this particular land was given to this particular tribe. They received what God had. They didn't thumb wrestle, rock, paper, scissor it. They didn't earn it. They received it. For you and I, we've got to submit to God. God knows what he's doing. God knows what is best. Will we trust? Will we depend upon him? Will we submit to him? Doesn't mean that everything we go through, we enjoy. We don't like that. There's some tough things that we go through. But let us submit to him. Let us submit to his will. This isn't about, okay, I'm going to control my future. I'm going to control my destiny. We certainly have choices we can make, but let us submit to God. Let us submit to his will as we face step after step after step. Every single scripture, it's the Lord had commanded. It's in the presence of God, in the presence of God, in the presence of God. God was consulted, God was sought, and God guided and directed. That was about the property, the, the area, this region that they were going to receive. How much more for you and I in our lives, our days, our nights, our weeks, our months, our years, will we seek and honor and yield to Him, submit to Him? Third principle, and we look at this large portion of Scripture and they divide out the land, the challenge for us is this, we must remove sin completely. See, God was calling them to conquer these territories, conquer these areas, many of which involved Canaanites, foreign lands, foreign areas, foreign kings, and these Areas were godless, sinful, completely opposite and against God. And he was calling them to conquer and to overcome and to take charge completely. What we're about to see is there's a number of instances and a number of cases this did not happen and it caused huge problems. Chapter 15, here we go. Chapter 15, verse 63, Judah could not dislodge the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. To this day, the Jebusites live there with the people of Judah. They did not completely remove or eliminate the godless, sinful element. Very next chapter, chapter 16, verse 10, they did not dislodge the Canaanites living in Gezer. To this day, the Canaanites live among the people of Ephraim, but are required to do forced labor. Very next chapter, chapter 17, verses 12 and 13. The Manassites were not able to occupy these towns for the Canaanites were determined to live in that region. However, when the Israelites grew stronger, they subjected the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not drive them out completely. And just a few verses later, verse 16 the people of Joseph replied, The hill country is not enough for us. All the Canaanites who live in the plains have chariots fitted with iron, both those in Bethshan and its settlements and those in the valley of Jezreel. There's going to be challenges in life. You and I are going to be confronted with challenges. We're going to be confronted with temptations. There will be sin confronted with you and I. We are called to remove it avoid it, eliminate sin completely. They were called to go and eliminate the godless, sinful areas. They got most of it, and they conquered most of them. But we see in a number of instances, either they couldn't or they wouldn't, in certain areas, get rid of and eliminate Everything Does that sound at all sometimes like you or I? God calls us to a life of holiness and holy and righteous living after God. And we say, yes, God, I will do what you ask me to do, but don't ask me to give this up. Because I kind of like this over here. I'll remove all kinds of sin. I'll remove all kinds of sins that's not even a temptation for me, God. But don't you be talking about this over here now. It's getting super-duper quiet in here. I wonder what that means. You see, in some cases, some of the sin and some of these sinful areas, they considered them to be useful, and they allowed them to hang out for a while. Instead of conquering them, what did they do? They made them forced labor. I can control them. We've got them under control. We can handle them. We'll force them to labor. We might have them pay us some tribute or taxes, but we've got this under control. We can't quite conquer them, but we'll let them hang around, but they know who's boss. We've got it all under control. Hmm. Sometimes that happens with you and I. We feel like, I can let this thing hang around a little bit. I've got it under control. I can handle just a little bit of this, whatever this might be. And whether it's stuff that we eat or drink or put into our bodies, Things we think, things we watch, things we read, things we say, places we go, things we do, who we do them with, when we do them, all kinds of stuff we say, okay, it might be sort of kind of against God, but it's only a couple little areas, and I can handle them. Look how most of it is conquered in my life. But you see, When they did not remove, when they did not conquer sin completely, every single situation, it hurt. It hurt them down the road. Some cases, they thought they were better off hanging out with this sin, these sinful individuals. We can handle it. We'll make them this. Is there any sin? Are there any sins in our lives that we feel better off letting it hang around Some sin, some individuals, some areas in here was feared and not removed. They talked about the Canaanites with chariots fitted with iron. They were simply too strong. I can't overcome that. Understand, there's no sin that's too strong, no temptation that's too powerful that we can't overcome with God's help and with God's power and in God's might. In and of ourselves, we don't have the strength. Sin and the enemy, yes, are powerful. But we serve the Almighty, the all-powerful. And in His power, in His strength, we can be victorious over that. So when it comes to their lives, the Israelites did not remove sin, did not remove all of these regions entirely and completely And when it comes to you and I, we must remove it completely. Because the tendency is to say, well, I can handle it. I've got it under control. Let me give you a couple stories. Not about people and their sins, but about people and their pets. Well, I I use pets in parentheses. If you're listening on the podcast, I just did air quotes. There we go. A Florida woman and her boyfriend were sentenced to 12 years in prison after their pet python strangled the woman's two-year-old daughter in July of 2009. They told police that this reptile, which they kept inside a laundry bag in a tent that was simply closed with a quilt over the top, they just threw a quilt over the top and that's going to keep the pet in, Oh, it had escaped 10 times before. So they kept their pet python in a bag. The bag was in a tank, and they simply threw a quilt over the top of it. I don't know why it keeps escaping. It's escaped 10 times before, and the 11th time they found it in the crib, wrapped around the head and body of the two-year-old. What are they saying? We got this can handle it. I mean, it's a pet python. What could go wrong? I'm not saying you can't have a pet python. I mean, I wouldn't. But if I did, I'd probably have it in like bulletproof five-inch thick glass with a locking, you know, top or something. I'm not going to stick it in a laundry bag and just throw a quilt over the top of it. They're basically saying, we've got this 10 times. Oh, yeah. Eleventh time, little two-year-old was gone. How about in 1997 in Texas? A pet lion was kept in a cage as the backyard pet. It bit a visitor's hand and tried to pull her into the cage. She had four deeply grooved cuts requiring 21 stitches. I'd say she got out uh, pretty fortunately. So here's the owner. Check this out. The owner claimed that in the past, when the lion had gotten out of control... Squirting him in the eyes with a spray bottle full of vinegar usually calmed him down. Yeah, that's what I want. I want an owner who says, usually a spray bottle gets my lion under control. Yeah, go up and pet him. In fact, go up and stand by the cage. I got a spray bottle on standby. What's he basically saying? I got this, I've got this under control, I can handle him. Now we laugh, well maybe we don't laugh, maybe we groan at people thinking they could keep these dangerous pets under control and and not taking good measures to do so. Do we groan the same way as we look at our own lives of sin? Are we willing to do what it takes to remove sin, not just mostly, but completely, to say, God, with your help, some of that stuff that's been hanging on to me, I'm going to get rid of, I'm going to eliminate it, I'm going to remove it, ask you to forgive me, and break free. Remove sin completely. Let's not compromise. Let's not allow sin to have that foothold in our lives. That's what happened with the Israelites. They couldn't quite remove them. They couldn't quite eliminate them. They let them hang around. Maybe pay some taxes or tribute, force them to be labor, but eventually they got out of control and caused problems in their lands, in the land of Israel. Don't believe the lie that we've got this under control. We've got to ask God to cleanse, to forgive, and get rid of that stuff in our lives completely. The final principle as we look at this massive chunk. A majority of it, again, it is about dividing up the land. You're going to read lots and lots of north and south and east and west and rivers and towns and villages. But in the midst of this are some incredible principles for you and I. Here's a final one. God encourages us. God reminds us. Know that God is with you. In the midst of all this, in the midst of God bringing them out of Egypt, yes, God was with them. God bringing them across the Jordan River, he was with them. Conquering the walled city of Jericho, God was with them. Each and every situation, he was with them. Now he's bringing them into this land. Now he's bringing them into this this promised land and he's going to give them this incredible place to live. And even in this process of something kind of simple and kind of mundane as dividing up lands and determining who goes where, that God was with them and God is with you and I. God provides us with his power. We reflect back on all of these other chapters, all those things that we've mentioned from Jordan and Jericho and Ai and even the process with the Gibeonites and and conquering all these towns and lands and kings. And all of that, God was with them in his power. God was faithful to keep his promises. Joshua chapter 13 verses 14 We looked at it briefly at the beginning. It said, To the tribe of Levi he gave no inheritance since the food offerings presented to the Lord, the God of Israel, are his inheritance. Here's those last four words. As he promised them. God had promised. He promised the Levites. He had promised these lands and these tribes of Israel and God was going to be faithful to keep his promise. He was with them in his power. He was with them in his promises. It's another one of those great old hymns of the church. Every promise in the book, it's mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line we read through, and there's a lot of promises that God gives to his children. God's not just kind of blowing off steam. God's not one to exaggerate. God keeps his word and keeps his promises. God offers us his presence. We drop down to the last chapter of this lengthy section. Chapter 19, verse 51. It says, these are the territories that Eleazar the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the heads of the tribal clans of Israel assigned by Lot at Shiloh in the presence of the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And so they finished dividing the land. They were there in the presence of the Lord. They were casting lots in the presence of the Lord. Every single thing that they had been done was done in His presence. God was with them. God was encouraging them. Did they face hardships and difficulties? Yes, beyond all measure, yes. God was with them. Did they experience some incredible and mighty miracles? Yes, it was God who was with them in the midst of the miracles. Every single thing they faced, God was with them. Down to the dividing up of territory. God's promised to be with you and to be with me. A couple of scriptures from the New Testament. Lo, I am with you. Weekdays, nine to five. Is that what your Bible says? Definitely not holidays, definitely not weekends. Oh, and Eastern Standard Time only. You know, I was talking about uh, General Council being held in Anaheim and and trying to to stay up to date with that. They had the morning sessions, afternoon sessions uh, of business, and then evening services. Well, the morning sessions were really late morning to early afternoon here. The afternoon sessions were more like an evening session here, and then the evening service was uh, late night. I mean, it started at 10 o'clock our time. You and I, sometimes we try to get a hold of businesses or get a hold of people and you get a voicemail or you, you hear this message that says, we're only available on these days during these hours. You're sick and you need to go to your doctor, but your family doctor is open this day, but only till noon and close on this day and well, they're on vacation this day. And how in the world do I get to see somebody? None of those qualifiers are in these scriptures. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's entirely promised. His presence is with us. So this transition here... As we're making our way closer towards the end, we've got just a, a handful of chapters left. And towards those last couple of chapters, is some pretty, uh, pretty interesting and challenging words from Joshua, some of his final farewells. But this is a, a major portion as God is dividing up the land to bless His people. A handful of principles for you and I. Let's receive what God has. Let's submit to his will. Let's remove sin completely from our lives. Let's be reminded to know that God is with us.